Today, we are delighted to spend time with one of the preeminent talents at tight end, a fan favorite for sure. In 2018 and 2019, he posted 80-plus catches and 1,000 receiving yard seasons, and he's helped lead his 49ers to a pair of NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl appearance. It's my pleasure to welcome the one and only, the guy who probably has more fun than anybody else, maybe, Maybe other than Rob Gronkowski, it's George Kittle. George, good to good talk to you. And how are you, buddy? Hey, Boomer. Thanks for having me on, man. Excited to be here. I'm doing wonderful. Just excited for football to start. Great. Okay. Listen, you have been off to an epic offseason. You went to Ireland, Italy. You ran a successful tight end university. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And you even played armchair general manager. Commentingly, publicly, the 49er front office could have avoided these problems and save money by signing Debo Samuel last year. So it's been quite the offseason for you. Oh, I mean, I like to dabble in a couple of things. You never know where life's going to take you. You know, there's opportunities out there. And just trying to enjoy myself. I will say the internet reminded me pretty quickly that you can't sign a guy that early who's in year three or that early. So it is what it is. I learned something. I made a mistake. But, hey, I'm back at it. You know, I'll, I'll come up with another, another great idea at some point. You know, all you great tight ends in the NFL and you see these astronomical salaries that these wide receivers have been getting and demanding. How do you feel about that You know, as a tight end? You guys do all the heavy lifting for everybody. You do everything. You, you pass block, you run block, you have to catch, you have to deal with the wide receivers and their personalities. And you're also actually pushing for them to get new contracts. Oh, I mean, first off, I'm happy when everybody gets picks. You know, the window's just so small for, you know, the opportunity in the NFL. And I'm so excited when I see contracts out there. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the tight end deserves to get paid more money. And we're working on that. You know, we're, we, we're trying to bump it up, trying to bump it up. And, uh, you know, when you have a guy like Travis Kelsey, who has the most receiving yards in the last six years in the NFL, and he's not even in the top 10 of highest paid skill position besides quarterbacks. Ah, you know, it bothers me a little bit, but you know, we're going to keep working on that. We're going to, you know, all those tight ends this year, the Kenton tight end, you're going to have a great year and they're all going to demand new contracts. And, you know, hopefully we're uh, up there in the twenties here sooner than later. You know, you bring tremendous physicality to your position. And unfortunately the trade-off is injuries. Now you've missed 13 games over the past three seasons. And of course they add an extra game last year. And we all know that 18 games is eventually coming. You know, is it too much for you guys to play that many games in a season, you think? Uh, I mean, I think if you throw in an extra bye, I think it'd be very easy for guys. Um, you know, just one extra week off, I think, would, you know, keep uh, the players that you want to see week in and week out on the field every day. And, um, you know, I think that's what matters. You know, you don't want guys to be hurt. You want to see guys in the field. And, you know, football's a violent game. It's physical. It's hard not to, you know, it's hard to avoid contact, especially when you play on the line of scrimmage, whether, you know, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, tight ends, running backs. You know, those, those things happen. And, uh, you know, I think uh, throwing an extra bye week there, hey, they're going to up to 18 at some point probably. I don't want to speak into an existence, but it'll get there at some point. But, no, I'm all for just an extra bye week. Give these boys another breather. You know, this, this football has changed drastically from when I played back in the 80s and 90s. Now, I read this, and you gotta, you got to make sure that this is accurate. You spend a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to keep your body in shape. Now, reportedly, Russell Wilson spends over a million dollars a year to keep his body in shape. Can you give a, us a rough breakdown of where all that money goes and how that helps you stay healthy? So I would say, let me correct that. I'd say a couple hundred thousand dollars over the course of my career. And okay. whether those are invested in like machines, modality things that I ha currently have now possess, my, possess um, I think that would go into that or we you know whether it's different types of treatments that I like, but uh, you know, I'm big into, uh, uh, I like finding the next big thing and 
next thing that you know works for players and living in uh silicon valley there's a lot of technology out there with the 49ers and you know thankfully i'm a part of a, a franchise that's very forward thinking and very progressive when it comes to rehab and there's uh you know they've introduced me to a couple machines i've wanted on my own that you know they cost a little bit and you know thankfully i've been able to play at a high enough level where, where i've you know been able to get paid and uh, be able to buy these things and bring them home to me. And then I let the tight ends that work out with me in Nashville, they all use them. Uh, for example, you know, one thing I'm a huge fan of, it's a machine called a Vasper and it, uh, it, it bring it ties in both blood flow restriction and ice water therapy. And it kind of helps you boost your testosterone HGH naturally, just so you recover a little bit faster. And yes, it is very legal and there's nothing I'm doing illegal <laughs> about that, but, uh, it, it just machines like that to just kind of help you recover at a higher level. And so you can hit the ground running the next day. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it has really changed. I mean, we spent a lot of time just drinking beer each week, trying to get ready for the next week. Hey, listen, you have a, a new quarterback that you're going to be playing with, uh, Trey Lance, and a lot of people don't really know too much about him. You've seen him. Uh, you, you've watched him work. You've watched him practice. Uh, give me like a little bit of a 411 on your, your kind of like thoughts about how good he can be. You know, I've said it before. I think Trey has a super high ceiling. I really do. I don't think we've come even close to seeing it, scratching the surface of it. Um, he's got an incredibly talented arm. He's big. He's physical. He likes to run, um, but he also likes to throw bombs. And you know, he just he has all these all these things, all these weapons a part of him. And you know, I think just with some reps and some gameplay, and he dials it in. I think Trey Lance is going to be a hell of a quarterback. And whether that's this year, whether that's next year, he's only going to get better every time that he plays. Like you're, I don't think you're going to ever see regression in Trey Lance, but he's just going to continually take steps forward. And you know, to me, I, I still think he's, he has a very awesome opportunity to be a fantastic quarterback in the NFL. Just based on things I've seen in practice. I mean, even in OTAs, I'm standing there watching him, and in like one of the later practices in OTAs, and he got better throughout all of OTAs, and he had a couple throws where I was like. I haven't seen a throw like that in a while. Like that was really impressive. And you know, you got those throws that kind of wow you and he has a lot of those he has a lot of those coming for coming from him. You know, I got to tell you George, it's been a wild off season to say the least and one of the more interesting stories leading into the upcoming season is going to be the 49ers. Mastering intricate timing and navigating heavy traffic are among the skills that all elite tight ends must possess. Now, in George Kittle's case, he flashed them even before he left his mother's womb. And let me get this right, and let me try to explain this. So, Wisconsin was hosting Northwestern, and while your dad, Bruce, was driving your mom, Jan, to the hospital to deliver you, they had to navigate through some terrible pregame traffic outside Camp Randall Stadium. Since you kind of were sort of there but you weren't really there. Now, is this the true story? And, and if it is, can you pick up the rest of it? Yeah, that's a very true story. Uh, it was a football Saturday. Um, they did not know the, uh, you know whether I was going to be a boy or girl. And um, they got stuck in traffic. And my dad waved down a police officer who was navigating you know, game day traffic. And he's like, hey, sir, my wife's about to give birth. Can you please, can you please help me get to the hospital? And he's like, oh, I've heard that one a thousand times. He goes, well, just look. And he looks in and my mom's like, Hey, let's help me out here a little bit. And so the officer goes, Oh my gosh, yes, no worries. Gets him a private escort, takes him to the hospital. And, uh, some, and then, uh, they're watching the game. I'm pretty sure you could see the game from their room. And my dad was like, I know it's going to be a boy. And, and there you have it. And there, and then I, I, I came out and, you know, just, it was kind of destined to play football. Yeah. You know, you were destined to play football because your dad, was an offensive lineman and captain of that 1981 Rose Bowl team in Iowa. He later became a football coach himself. And your mom was both a basketball All-America and a softball star at Drake, if I read this right. So now I'm thinking that the athleticism had to come from her. 
She that's what that's what Kirk Ferentz always says. He always tells me that my athleticism came from my mom. She's actually a two time. Uh, so she's softball and basketball Hall of Fame in the state of Iowa for uh, high school. So yeah, she's she's a pretty big deal. And she'll like that you asked about her. But, you know, uh, Bruce was I, I think my dad only lost one wrestling match his senior year, too. So they were both fantastic athletes. And I just happened to get pretty lucky and get a combination of them both. You know, it's amazing. You were a lanky wide receiver in high school. You played at three different high schools because your dad was moving around as a coach. Yep. Uh, you ended up in Norman, Oklahoma. How difficult was that for you as a kid, a teenager, moving high schools? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went to three high schools my sophomore year. Um, I, was in, wow. uh, I was in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, and then for about five, six months, I transferred up to Cedar Falls, Iowa, where you, uh, the University of Northern Iowa is. And then about six months into that, my dad got a, a recruiting coordinator job at the University of Oklahoma because him and Bob Stoops played together at the University of Iowa. Um, so, yeah, three high schools sophomore year is tough. And, you know, Norman, Oklahoma is a lot different than Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, it's a, that's a transition. I always tell you that. Uh, but it, it was really fun. It was my first time playing spring football. So that was uh, I was I was glad I got an opportunity to do that. But I thought I, I love my time down in Norman. I had a lot of great friends on there. But yeah, it was a transition. But definitely going to three high schools in one year makes you have to meet forces you to meet people and make new friends. I will say that. So pretty outgoing. Yeah, I would think so. Now, when you got to Iowa, I also read where they basically told you to spend the first three years building up your body in the weight room. Was it difficult to maintain such patience and discipline before you got to play? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I had, uh, I had a couple opportunities early on in my career that I just wasn't really ready for, whether it was mildly being undersized or just not knowing what was going on. And, um, you know, it took, uh, I think it was uh, going into my redshirt junior year, I was kind of, you know, stepped back and I was like, you got to like flip the switch here, George, like time's running out. You got two years ahead of you, you got guys younger than you that are trying to steal your reps. And, you know, do you want to play in the NFL or not? And, you know, made a couple of changes to my lifestyle and my study habits and just kind of clicked for me there on out. And, uh, but yeah, no, that was first three years were a whirlwind. I will tell you that. All right. Well, we're returning to break down some highlights and fourth quarter frustrations that have defined George Kittle's career today. You're listening to Game Time with Boomer Esiason on my new Odyssey podcast. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to my new Game Time with Boomer Esiason podcast on Odyssey. 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan recalls that he could not believe how George Kittle just fell to them in the fifth round of the 2017 draft. It's hard to actually even visualize that today. We were just shocked. He was just sitting there, Shanahan said, adding, now I look back, and he was a top 10 prospect that we got in the fifth. So it was one hell of a deal for sure. You know, in your second season, George, 2018, you broke out with 88 catches, almost 1,400 yards, five touchdowns. What finally clicked for you in the 49er offense? 
Uh, I think just being confident myself and being comfortable with the system. You know, luckily, Coach Shanahan runs, you know, outside zone a lot. And so I basically ran that at Iowa, you know, for five years. So I had kind of a step ahead on the offense, you know, blocking wise and the play action and just having to learn the pass game then was about really all I had to focus on. And, you know, along with that, you know, I had a wonderful tight end coach in John Embry, who's now at the Dolphins. And he was a very good at, you know, making the game simpler. Only like, you know, I only had to focus on the things that really applied to me. So he made the game easy on me. And then also when you when you know you have a guy like uh, you know C.J. Beathard who's your quarterback in uh, college, and then you have uh, Nick Mullins uh, throwing to the rock, and you know they looked for me a lot, and that helped me out a lot. We had a, we had a great uh, great great communication, great relationship with those quarterbacks. You know, took them out to eat a couple of times, so they throw me the ball a couple more times, and you know, that that works for me. You know, I'm all about friendships and. Uh, you know, those guys helped me out a lot, but, uh, you know, Coach Embry helped me out a lot. You know, I had a great vet in the room with Garrett Selleck, who just retired, and he helped me out a ton as well. So, you know, I had guys ahead of me that helped out, and then just, you know, it's all about opportunity, and Coach Shannon always talks about, you know, we're going to give you an opportunity, you just got to take advantage of it, and, you know, that's all it is. You know, you think in 2019, similar numbers, you were named first team All-Pro. The 49ers also returned to the playoffs for the first time in six seasons, the first time under Kyle Shanahan, and you guys reached that Super Bowl. That season was magical, all the way up until the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl, of course. Oh, yeah, it was. You know, starting, I think we started, was it 8-0 or 9-0, and then we lost like one out of the, two out of, maybe two out of the next four, and but, you know, we, we won some big games on the road. We won a ton of games at home, and it was a great team. You know, it's it's really fun to watch a team full of first-round draft pick defensive linemen just go to work <laughs> on guys. You know, having a great D-line, you know, that means a lot. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just hats off. You know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they played a hell of a game, and you know, they got hot in the fourth quarter, and that's when it matters the most. And, you know, football's a game of momentum, and, uh, you know, we couldn't we couldn't hit when we needed to. And, you know, that's just the game of football in life, basically. Yeah, how much fun is it to be a tight end in Kyle Shanahan's offense, whether it's Mike McDaniel calling plays or Kyle himself calling plays, designing plays? I'm thinking that when you get there for the game plan for the upcoming game, you just have no idea exactly what they may be throwing your way to surprise you. So it's got to be a lot of fun from the perspective of wide receivers like Debo Samuel, yourself, uh, the things that they give you an opportunity to do on the field. No, no, 100%. Every every Wednesday when I walk in for the first and second down install, I have a general idea, you know, if it's a 3-4 team or a 4-3 team. Like, I have a general idea of what some of the plays might be, but about half the playbook is different types of motions or different types of, you know, we're going to get Debo this position. We're going to get you to this position. Hey, here's an end around to you, George. Here's the double reverse pass. And you're just like, wow, like this is just so much fun. It's like you're playing a video game sometimes and I just get to be a part of it. And then, then you get into the Thursday install with Thursday, uh, the third down installs on Thursday. And those are just a riot as well because it's just like, hey, how many plays do I get to have an opportunity on this week? And you love it when you see your number called up there and you're, you're the number one read. You know, you, you play for a team, they try to build a family, and they try to get you all to come together. And it's we, it's not me, we all understand that. But then there's the ugly side of the business, and that's what your buddy Jimmy Garoppolo is going through right now. He led his team to the Super Bowl. Now he's had unfortunate injuries. That happens to all of us who have played this game. What do you think happens with Jimmy, and uh, you know, what would you say to him, or what can you say to him under the current set of circumstances? Oh, I mean, I love Jimmy. He's one of my closest friends. Um, you know, he's a hell of a quarterback, and I can't ever talk about how much like of a leader he is and how he leads our team. And um, you know, it's a game. It's a what have you done for me recently league, or you're looking for the next best thing. 
You know, that, that's just football. You, you see it all over, whether you're drafting new D linemen, whether you're drafting new tight ends, you know, it just, it is what it is. And you can't, it's hard to not be sensitive to it, but you just, you can't be, you just kind of have to go along. Cause you know, at the end of the day, the, you know, the game of football is going to continue on whether you're playing or not. And so I, we all understand that we all have Jimmy's back and he all loves us. And whether he's a part of the Niners or, you know, most likely not, it is what it is. And we'll always, we'll always, you know, have a friendship and, you know, you know, a couple great games, a couple great seasons. And, you know, we're, you know, we're just looking ahead to, you know, winning more football games, whether he's here, or, you know, I, I just hope that he finds, you know, a great spot for him, whether it's with us or not. Well said. Retired All-Pro Dallas Clark claims, quote, to play tight end, you have to have a couple of screws loose. He explains, you have to be able to do the dirty work. You got to be able to be flashy. You just got to have a little of that buffet of everything. And that's exactly what George Kittle is all about. How would you describe your personal mindset when you take the field? Because your dad said a few years ago that there's George and then there's his alter ego, football George. So what does it take to become football George on Sunday? Oh, you know, there's a couple things that go into it, but, you know, everything's different when you wake up on a game day. You know, and I think we all have our own routines. We're all superstitious to our own extent. Um, but, you know, really, once you hit that field for the warm-up and you see the, the fans start trickling in and they're cheering, you know, guys are jogging out, fans are excited, or or you're getting booed when you jog out in a, in a visitor stadium. That's one of my favorite things ever. I love getting booed. Um but just you feel that, and you can just you could smell the atmosphere, you could feel the atmosphere, you can feel the buzz of the stadium, and that just it just kind of flips a switch for me. And there's nothing like it, you know. Football's, in my opinion, it's the greatest sport of all time. We're playing a kids' game. It's just a lot more violent. And there's a lot bigger and faster, stronger people out on the football field. But I don't know. It's just something about you get me on a football field. The, the flip just switches, and you know, there, my favorite quote is, you know, moving a man from point A to point B against his will is the greatest feeling you ever feel. And I completely agree with that. And that's a true statement. And so you just kind of have to have a couple screws loose, like Dallas said, to be able to move a man from point A to B, from point A to point B against his will, because, you know, that guy doesn't want to get moved and I'm going to move him. You know, the amazing thing is most casual fans think that blocking is dull at best, torture at worst. You know, why do you consider that fun? Oh, man. Have you ever planted a guy on his back? I did, Jerry Ball. He was a nose tackle at uh, Detroit, and I caught him when he wasn't looking. And then I ran off the field as quickly as possible. You're not wrong. But, hey, when you, when, you have a nice, when you have a nice combo block with that tackle, the right tackle, and you have him on your shoulder and you can chip the end up to the linebacker, you can fit your hands underneath his pads, drive and lift, you feel his little feet kick as you lift him off the ground. His little feet. There's not much better than that, I'll tell you that. Now, hey, I, I get whacked my own, and I, I'll take that, but I'm going to get you more than you get me. That's that's kind of what my mindset is. All right, so let me ask you a point blank. Would you rather catch a five-yard touchdown pass or open a hole that allows a runner to run in five yards out? Wow. Hmm. I mean, like more fun, I would say the run blocking by far. If I get a nice block or like a double team down on a D tackle up to a linebacker like on a gap scheme, that's one of my favorite things ever. But, you know, the fantasy football people are going to yell at me about, no, you got to score touchdowns to get more points. You know, as long as we're scoring points and winning games, I don't care. Just put the ball in the end zone, whether it's with me or whether it's someone else. It is I like it. it. I like it. It is we. It's not me. Your alma mater, Iowa, <clears throat> can now make a compelling argument for being known as tight end university. Get this. I don't even know if you know this number. 13 Hawkeye tight ends have made it to the NFL. Five of you have gone to Pro Bowls. So what's going on in Iowa City about tight ends and why are they so successful? Um, 
You know, I think there's two things that really go into that. The first thing is when you first step on campus, they literally look at you and they say, if you don't learn how to run block, you'll never touch the field here. And so you're instantly, when you draft an Iowa tight end that's been through, whether it's three, four, five years, they've ran block, they do nine on seven, they do blocks, they do run blocking drills every single day for the entire season. That's all they do. So you're going to get a guy that knows how to run block, he knows how to lower his head, he knows how to be physical. The other thing you're going to do is you know a guy that's going to be good in play action, you're going to get high effort from him. We know the vibe of how to get back across the formation on a little wide shallow out of a keeper, maybe a bootleg, a crossing route. There's no one really better than us because we just have a feel for it because that's all we do. But Iowa, it's all about effort. You're going to get 100% effort from an Iowa tight end. Iowa football player, really, every single day. I mean, look at Tristan Wirfs. Goodness gracious. I mean, that guy was, I think it wasn't he first team all pro his rookie yes. season. I mean, you're gonna when you get an Iowa guy, especially a freak like that, you're going to get a hell of a good football player. Well, some people say you're a freak too, so there you go. I feel so, like I am sometimes. Yeah, I think so. So tell us about this tight end university. Now, this is the annual program you started with Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson in Nashville a couple of years ago. So who attends? What's it all about? Uh, so we just finished our second year of tight end U. Um, really, the whole point of it is I want to bring as many tight ends in the NFL to one central location, get them in front, get, them, get some guys up on the whiteboard, talk ball, um, talk lives, how to, you know, how to be successful, your mindset, your first step in the run game, break down some tape. But we kind of just go over all this stuff. But really what my goal is, I want to bring all these guys in and so they become friends. Because the tight end position, we're all doing the same stuff. We're all run blocking, we're all pass setting, we're running routes. We're blocking guys that are bigger than us. We're running routes on guys that are faster than us. We all deal with the same stuff. And so everyone kind of has the same mindset and everybody wants to learn and everyone wants to get better. And so well, our thought process was if you could put me, Travis, and Greg in a room and maybe we get Darren Waller and Mark Andrews, maybe Jacecki, maybe Hawkinson, maybe Noah Fant, Rob Tunney, you get all these guys and then everybody's going to want to come and pick each other's brains. And so you just have all these guys that all know so much and they're all trying to learn a lot more. And you can learn something from anybody. Like I can learn something from a rookie tight end by just having a conversation about him with him about his mindset or how he gets ready for practice one day. But it's just... I want all these guys to come into town and, you know, leave being friends with the guy sitting next to them. And so now every time they go to play a game, they know the tight end on the other team. They can shake hands with them, say what's up, trade jerseys if they want, and really just building a brotherhood. That's great. I love the approach. Now, which quarterbacks have participated? Let's see. Um, well, the only guy that's been there for two years is my guy, C.J. Beathard, because he lives in Nashville and he's my college quarterback. But uh, I had C.J., Zach Wilson, Josh Allen. Uh, those are my three ones I had this year. Um, we tried to get some college quarterbacks in, but, you know, the SEC wouldn't let me bring any college quarterbacks to Vanderbilt. But it is what it is, and a thank you to Vanderbilt for letting us have it there. But those were our three guys, and they did a wonderful job. You know, there's, it's not like we're not out there doing seven-on-seven seven like that. You know, we had, we're teaching routes, and guys are running the routes pretty easy on the QBs. But, you know, we'll, we're looking to have more and more every year. Well, you know, if you're looking for QBs, you know, and there's an appearance fee that's a part of this, I know a bunch of us that probably have nothing to do that would love to come down here and make a few extra bucks. Hey, you know what? I can throw you some uh, toilet paper rolls from my sponsor at Sherman. Maybe Very some nice. Bud Light. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll return to justify how one tight end is hardly tight with his substantial means right after this.
Nerd. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to Game Time with Boomer Esiason on my new Odyssey podcast. We're back with George Kittle, whom avid football fan Dwayne The Rock Johnson has dubbed the people's tight end. And I think I would agree just by this uh, interview. And I know you love wrestling and your high school coach, Greg Nation, once compared you to the great (laughs) Ric Flair on the football field. So who are your favorites, heroes and heels? Wow. Let's see. Uh, Off the top. Uh, my, my, my favorite three are Stone Cold, The Rock, Shawn Michaels. Those are my three, you know, classics. Uh, currently Seth Rollins is my favorite. He's an Iowa guy. Got to meet him a couple times. Got a bit, I've been to his wrestling school. So I'm a huge Seth Rollins fan. Um, let's see. And also my other two currently, um, would be RK Bro, which is made up of Randy Orton and, uh, Riddle. Those are my two favorites right now. But really one of the top wrestlers in the game is Charlotte Flair, who's one of my favorite it's the things that she does on top of the ropes and jumping 10 feet down it, it's incredible but you know those those are my favorite wrestlers i was gonna say so when football is over for you do we see you in the ring hey you never know i could i could make a quick appearance in the ring i'm just waiting to get a call i really want to put someone through a table that's all i'm asking for you know if you want to put me through a table <laughs> as long as coach shanahan okays it i'm in but i'm just looking i'm just looking to break a table here you know what? You are a promotable personality for sure. Did you ever think that your merchandise would outsell Aaron Rodgers? Nope. Nope. I did not think that. <laughs> I'm just a kid playing football, man, having the time of my life. Well, that just tells you how popular you really are, George. I mean, the fans do love you, and I think Dwayne Rock Johnson is pretty right about that. I appreciate that. You know, I, uh, I just you know, I just try to be my authentic self every single day. You know what you see is what you get. I I love football. I love life, and I'm gonna the glass the glass is always overflowing in my life. I'll tell you that much. You know, and I think I know why. And um, I, I read where your father has created this tradition with you, where he writes letters to you each week that you could read before your upcoming games. And I'm just wondering about some of the things he may have included. And I'm sure you got a great letter before the Super Bowl, didn't you? Who? Well, yeah, the, actually, the, the NFC Championship game against Green Bay, that was like 20 pages. And, well, it's not all words. A lot of it is he usually tells a story. Like, he has a theme throughout the whole season. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was 2018 or 2019, the theme was like Lord of the Rings. And he went through like each each book of Lord of the Rings or each movie was a part of the letters for however many weeks it was throughout the season. And so that was pretty awesome. But the, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, they were both long ones. A lot. He likes to use pictures. He likes to uh, family stories. But everything just kind of ties back to, you know, work hard and have fun. And I've just kind of always used that mindset, and it's done pretty well for me. All right, so I heard you got the golf uh, bug, and you built a six-hole golf course in your backyard. Is that true? Yes, to an extent. I don't really have greens right now because that's really expensive, and I don't really need that right now. But I have enough land where I just put out, I get golf flags and my thing is just closest to the pin. But I got like four par threes and two par fours. It's pretty fun. Are you pretty good now? 
Um, you know, the best, honestly, the best I ever shot is an 86, so I'll take that. But I'm usually in the 90s. Is that That's usually how I play. I'm a pretty good putter. All right, not too bad, not too bad. So tell me about your tattoos, in particular the one that you decided to get before your wedding day, and you had to have your arm wrapped in saran wrap under your shirt. What were you thinking about? Um, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. Literally about two days before my wedding, I'm sitting there. I'm at a food court at a mall with my dad, and we were talking about alter egos and you know, mindsets. And, um, I've always felt like I have this, I'm always, I'm big into chaos on a football field. Like, you know, just, just a gentle nudge in the wrong direction might send someone else spiraling out of control. And I like to be that nudge sometimes. And I've just really connected well with, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker from the dark Knight, And I felt like that was a great, uh, you know, a great person for me to connect with. And I'm big into the mental side of the game. And, um, you know, in college, I actually, part of the reason I didn't play a lot was I had a little bit of an anxiety going out in the football field. And I was told um, about, I used to draw a big red dot on my wrist, on my tape, and it'd be a reset button. I'd slap it before and after plays, whether it was good or whether it was bad. It was a physical reset. And that really worked wonders for me. So I kind of used the tattoo as my physical reset you know i got i got my joker tattoo he's got the big red lips is the only thing that's colored on him and so that's kind of my reset button and i I, then i kind of added to my alter egos or personalities i might say that i kind of draw energy from whether it's the joker uh the master chief from the halo franchise godzilla um one of my my new personal favorite is hobbs from the comic strip calvin and hobbs um i would consider myself calvin but it's just I like to draw some energy or motivation from these characters. And, you know, like I said, I'm a 13 year old kid playing playing a kid's sport. And I just like to have fun out there. And these just kind of all remind me to have fun. I have to say this interview was refreshing. Thanks to George Kittle for joining us today. This is Boomer Esiason. And be sure to listen next week on my new Game Time podcast when I welcome 2021 Pro Bowl defensive tackle University of Alabama legend Jonathan Allen on Odyssey. And thanks for listening.